Thank you, preacher. Well, we do have a bunch of good folk up at Baileyville, and I don't want to tell them that too often. It goes to their head. But, uh, you know, over the years, I either have a church that has no piano player and singers, and we got to do everything acapulco, or I've got singers, or a piano player, and no singers. And here I got both. I couldn't believe it. I thought, Lord, did I die and go to heaven? But, uh, at any rate, uh, I really struggle with a message for tonight. Before I get into it, I'll, I'll uh, do something else here first. But um, I really struggle with a message tonight because I knew the choir would be here. And uh, this is a rerun for them. Amen? The old black preacher, S.M. Lockridge, used to say, if it wasn't worth preaching the second time, you shouldn't have preached it the first time. So you just have to put your seatbelts on and go through it again. Amen? I tried to get away from this message. I tried to preach something else, and the Lord kept bringing me back to it and said, this is what you're preaching down there, so hopefully somebody here needs it. And I kept telling the Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit, there's going to be a half a dozen or more of our people there, and they've already heard it. He said, don't worry about it. They slept through it. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll give you a rerun anyway. I want to, I got some real important information on the, you know how you, how many of you have email? How many of you get those wonderful, doctrinal, strong, really important things on email that waste most of your day? You know, I I got one of those I wanted to share with you. Uh, It has to do with church bulletins, and it says, Thank God for the church ladies with typewriters. These sentences actually appeared in church bulletins or were announced at church services. Uh, Are you ready for this? The fasting and prayer conference includes meals. (laughs) Scouts are saving aluminum cans, bottles, and other items to be recycled. Proceeds will be used to cripple children. (laughs) The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. (laughs) Alright, ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Be sure to bring your husbands. <laughs> All righty. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> Miss Charlene Manson saying, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. <laughs> I like this one. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Uh, let's see. Why are you like the next couple? Next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got another choir down here later. Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married on October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. Uh-huh. A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> this, this, Brother Dave, you're going to like this one. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. Okay. Eight new choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and to the deterioration of some older ones. Now, let's see. 
potluck supper Sunday at 5 p.m. Prayer and medication to follow. I'm going to stop right there. Brother Tommy, I'll leave this up here for you. You can use the ones I didn't use. How's that? Well, amen. I, uh, I count it a privilege to be able to come down here tonight and preach to you. Always a privilege to stand before our own people, let alone others. It's, it's just a, a blessing. I say this as a pastor of almost 30 years. Brother Tom, you've been how many years? 400? 38. 38. But it is a privilege that God has called us and put us into His ministry, and, and I don't take it lightly. Um, I've labored with this, and I said, Lord, there's a church down here that's new, it's a babe, it needs something. What am I going to give it? And uh, like I said, he kept bringing me back to this message. So if you will, take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 16, and let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God out of respect to the Word of God, if you will, please. Luke chapter 16. And by the way, as much as I love pie, Brother Tommy, I am going to bow out on that. Most of y'all don't know this. My wife has been gone. This is the ninth week. She's been in Indiana staying with her mother. Uh, she's 81, lives by herself, broke her leg, had to have a pin put in it, yada, yada, yada. And she couldn't stay alone. She had to have somebody there 24-7, and so my wife got volunteered, since she's the only daughter. And uh, I'm ready for her to come back. After 43 years of holy deadlock, I got used to her and she got used to me. And so I'm going to go right from here tonight back to Indiana and we'll be back on Saturday and looking forward to it. I think that somebody in the church said, boy, we'll be glad when you get your wife back. Maybe then you won't be so grouchy. But, uh, Luke 16, verse 19. Follow with me silently as I read aloud, if you will, please. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom." And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented, and besides all this, betwixt us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. And might I say amen to that? One did rise from the dead. They still didn't believe. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name tonight, Lord. Why this message? I don't know. That's your business. I learned a long time ago I'm just a mail carrier. Father, help us tonight to be a help to this church and to these people. I pray if there's any here that's not saved, tonight might be the night of salvation. For those that have... Lord, have special needs tonight. I pray, sweet Holy Spirit of God, you'd speak to them as only you can do and encourage them. Well, thank you for all that you'll do now in Jesus' name. Amen. And be seated, please. 
I don't think there's a preacher who's been in the ministry any length of time that hasn't preached out of this passage. I don't know how many times over the years, Brother Tom, you and I have probably preached out of this passage, different messages. You may have even preached a very, very similar message to this. It would not surprise me. If you say, I've heard that before, good for you. Amen? Because it's something we need to hear. Now, I'm not necessarily preaching on hell tonight. What I want to preach on tonight is what hell has the church needs. When I was a young preacher and the first time I came up with this outline, I titled it, What in Hell Do You Need? And I got thinking, you know, that don't sound too good. I think I better change the title. So now it's, What Hell Has the Church Needs? Amen? That sounds nicer. So, uh, at any rate, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ... Now, this is castle supposition. Anytime a preacher says this is supposition, you don't have to believe it. This is just my opinion. That's all it is. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they usually stink. Amen? But this is my opinion. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ traced literally the life of this rich man from the moment of his first encounter with the Lord Jesus in the Bible right up to the time of his death so that we could see some things that the rich man now has in a place called hell that you and I need. Now again, don't go out of here saying, Brother Castle said this is dogmatic. I didn't say that. It's my opinion. Let's look at his first encounter with the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 19 and verse 16. I believe this is the same fellow that he's actually tracing in his ministry to teach us some things. Can't prove it one way or the other. This is just It just makes for good preaching. Amen? <laughs> Matthew 19 and verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now the young man was a good, fine, young Jewish boy. And he said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I believe that's the first time we find this rich man in Luke 16. He's a rich young ruler. He was a religious man. He was a good man, very likely. Now let's look at his life lived without the Lord. Luke chapter 12, if you will. I think this will be the second encounter with this same fellow. I realize this is a parable. These first two are, uh, the, the first one was not a parable. This, this next one is a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Amen? But that doesn't mean you can't use real people to tell the story. Luke 12, verse 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetous, covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of those things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man, 
brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Thus we have our passage in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And then it says, The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Was this the same man all the way through? I think so. I really do. I think the Lord gave us this man's life to show us uh, the beginning of rejection of Christ right up to the end of life. From cradle to grave, every person has needs from different sources. Children need something from their parents, and students have needs from their teachers, and employers or employees rather have needs from their employers, and sometimes we have needs from medical professionals and so on. People have needs from their pastors, and on and on and on the list could go. Tonight I want to show you that there are some things that a place called hell has that Liberty Baptist Church and Yea Baileyville Baptist Church needs tonight. I'm going to go through a list of those things in our passage, and at the end of tonight's message I'm going to ask each of you, What does hell have that you need? There's the invitation right there. Think about that as we go through this. I want you to see the things that the rich man in hell had. Number one, he had vision. He had vision. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. If there's one thing... The pastor of Liberty Baptist Church needs, and the people of Liberty Baptist Church, and Baileyville Baptist Church, and every other fundamental Baptist church that's going to do anything for God needs, is this thing called vision. Solomon said that where there is no vision, what's the rest of it? The people perish. The people perish. The church needs to get a vision of lost folks burning in continual torment in a place called hell. You know, we need to see this lost and dying world as they are, and as they are about to fall off the great abyss of eternity into the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. We get so complacent in our day-to-day lives, even in our churches, that we just say, well, they're lost or they're saved, but when we say they're lost, it ought to break our hearts. There ought to be a vision of, I mean, hey, listen, are you, are you listening tonight? If a man is lost tonight, he's already as good as a dead man burning in a lake of fire. That's a done deal. If he dies or she dies without Christ, they're gone. They're gone. And we need to realize that. We need to, you know, I say this until I think my people want to just choke on it sometimes. We need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. We need to cover people up in prayer. And the best way to do that is get a vision of that loved one of yours, that family member, that child, that parent, whoever it might be, that neighbor, that that person you work with, that person you go to school with. Get a picture of them burning in a place called hell when you pray. 
and let it break your heart. I drove over the road for eight years when I was young and dumb. And three times in eight years, I have come up on accidents and actually seen people burned to death. And smelled the burning flesh and hair, and it's not a pretty thing. I think God allowed me to see that as a young Christian, so it would help me when dealing with people. I quit telling people to go to hell a long time ago, when I found out what hell was all about. I don't want anybody to go there. I don't care how bad we think they are. They may deserve to go there if they turn away from Christ, but that doesn't mean we have to like it. The church needs to see this lost and dying world as they really are. We need to get a vision of this building filled to overflowing with folks who need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and His great love for them. Wouldn't that be a wonderful problem to have to fix, Brother Tommy? I mean, you got them from front to back and they're sitting on each other's laps. Wouldn't that be great? Amen. You've got to get that vision as a church. The church needs a vision of full pews of people who are hungry to be fed with the Word of God each week to help them make it day by day in this wicked world in which we live. You say, well, people come in and after preaching the Word, they don't want it and they leave. May I tell you something? I think I can get an amen out of this. If you're truly born again... You have a desire for the things of God. You don't need entertained. You don't need rock and roll music. You don't need a come as you are, leave as you were type of attitude. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I can't speak for everybody, Brother Tom, but I'm telling you, when I got saved, God changed me. I mean, some things changed immediately. Some things took a little time. But I changed. And one of the great things changed immediately was the fact that nobody taught me soul winning, nobody taught me witnessing, but the first thing I did when I got done was went right to the people that led me into the occult and witnessed to them. First thing. It was just natural. It was falling off a log. There's just some things when a person gets saved that comes naturally. May I put it this way? It comes supernaturally. Because the Holy Spirit now is going to do for you what Mama couldn't. Mom and Pop tried to straighten me out with the old woodshed and the old leather belt, but brother, that just didn't work. The Holy Spirit took care of it. So when people come in and they leave you for the e-church because they have, uh, I call them any pennant funny mentalists, uh, when, when, when they come to you and they stay just long enough to know that they don't want that kind of preaching and they go to one of these churches that doesn't know what a Bible is, don't feel too bad. Their biggest problem is they're probably not saved. Because the Holy Spirit don't put up with junk. Amen. Amen. Don't complain, by the way, about empty pews if you aren't doing all you can to fill them personally. It's not the pastor's job to fill them by himself. It's the church's job. God equipped the men of God to prepare the people of God to do the ministry of God. Check it out in the book of Acts. That's what it's for. The church needs a vision of what God wants to accomplish in and through us. Don't lose that vision, folks. You know, you're going to go through high times and you're going to go through low times. Some some years, I imagine in 38 years, preacher, there's been times when you felt like, what am I even doing here? It's time to quit. I can't get anybody in this year. There's just, And then other times, it's just like God just overfills your cup and you don't know where they're coming from. You have ups and downs. Why? You're working with people. 
Welcome to the world. The rich man in hell also had another thing. He had tears. We notice in verse 24 it says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Brother, you get burned, you're going to cry too. Now, may I point you to Psalm 126, verse 5. Most of you probably know it. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and what? Weepeth, bearing precious seed, the word of God, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Could it be the reason we're not bringing more people into the house of God is because we're not weeping before we sow? I think we've lost the tears. When I was in Rome City, Indiana, I took a church of five people. It had uh, uh, an old rented pole building. And the only ventilation was a door at the back and a door in the front. And we left them open. And half the time we were out at the lake. And half the time dogs would come in and play under the pews. And we've had rabbits come in and squirrels. And you talk about Mississippi Squirrel Revival, brother. We lived it. and uh, Except it was an Indiana Squirrel Revival. But, uh, you know... We wound up buying an old Methodist church building out in the country. The old Methodists, were their congregations were dying out because there is no evangelism in the Methodist church. Never was. And uh, at least not for many years anyway. And they were selling off a lot of these old buildings in the country for almost nothing. We bought a building for $10,000 with property and the furnishings inside the thing were worth more than we paid for the whole thing. We completely remodeled the building inside and out. He insulated it, recited it, looked beautiful. 1896 was when that building was built. And uh, it just it just breaks my heart when I stop to think about how we can take a building like that and say we're going to start a church or have a church and nobody really cares for the lost or nobody cares for those around them. Boy, there's got to be some tears there somewhere. You get that vision, you'll have tears. You'll have tears. Um, 2 Kings 20 and verse 5, God's attention is turned to tears. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. You know what? God, God sees your tears. God pays attention. If we stop and ponder the bigness of God, how great He is, how vast our universe is, and He made it all, science can't even comprehend where, if at all, there is an end of the universe. We can't figure out what's at the bottom of our oceans. And the earth is a pin speck. Not even that on a timeline of the planets. And to think of God that big, the Bible says that He holds the waters of the earth in the palm of one hand. To think of God that big knows your tears. That's a personal God, folks. That's a personal God.
Job said, My friend scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. David said it like this, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Did you know God records your tears in heaven? I wonder what's in the book with your name on it, or if it's dry. God help us. Amen? Amen. We need some vision. We need some tears. Third thing we need that the rich man in hell experienced is that of fire. He said, I'm tormented in this flame. Now, those today that look down on us Baptists, and I can't speak for everybody, I'm almost ashamed to call myself a Baptist when I'm around some Baptist. Because they're what I call denominational Baptist. I'm not a denominational Baptist. I'm a Baptist because the true Baptist belief simply believes the Bible is the Word of God. It's our final authority for faith and practice. Nothing added to, nothing taken away from. That's a Baptist. That's a Baptist. And uh, that's how I'm a Baptist. And I believe when the Bible says fire, it means a literal fire. The liberals and the modernists are trying to explain it away. You know, we're all this Joel Olstein stuff. You know, with this big saddleback church, forty-eight thousand members. You want to you want to grow your church forty-eight thousand, brother Tommy? Quit preaching the book. Start telling everybody how good they are, and start telling them how good they can feel. You'll get them. Why? Because people don't like being told they're sinners. Oh, that rubs us wrong. But you know what? When the Holy Spirit's in it, and when we show them from the Word of God with love, people will receive it. People will receive it. And if we can get them lost, we're apt to get them found. But see, this this independent fundamentalist crowd don't want to get them lost. Well, you just come in here, bow your head, pray a prayer, sneeze three times, and you're in. That's about it. And then they try to explain away the fire. Mark chapter 9, verse 43, Jesus said, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the what? Fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into into life, halt into life, than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If there's no fire in hell, the Lord Jesus Christ had to be the biggest liar on this earth. I'd be careful about calling him that. Six times in six verses, God's word says fire. You know what? The church needs some old-fashioned Holy Ghost fire. We do. We need some life. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. You know what? God lit them up. God lit them up. That's the, we need the fire of the Word of God. Jeremiah 29, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. 
Brother Tommy, you're just a little bit young for this yet, but I wonder how many times your dad said in his mind and in his heart, I give up. Why am I here? Boy, I, I, I can't tell you the times, Brother Phil, I thought, well, I'd sure like to go back to driving truck. Don't have to be a good Christian driving truck. You know, you want to give up sometimes, don't you? But then he said, but his word was in mine heart as a what? A burning fire. Shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. You know what? If you're born again, if you're truly a child of God, there's something inside of you that's just got to come out. It's the Word of God. We need to kindle that fire again and get excited about the Word of God. I don't have a copy of the Bible. I have the Bible. Amen? Amen? If, if, if you're one of those that says, well, you know, God just, uh, well, you know, there's all these translations and, uh, you know, they're all good. Now, I only use the King James, but I study out of the DDT and all this other junk. And hey, Give me a break. If we have the Bible, you don't need anything to interpret the Bible but the Bible. That's it. That's it. We need to fire the Word of God again. We need guidance from God's holy fire. You know, in Exodus 13, verse 21, uh, the story of, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and they're down by the Red Sea, and the Bible says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them by the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. You know, there's just far too many of God's people playing with strange fire today that's causing them to die spiritually. I had to go to I had to go to Ogle County, they gave me a summons for jury duty, and I thought, oh that that's just what I need, jury duty just before I go pick up my wife, you know. Praise the Lord we got off the hook for it. But I'm sitting next to this young lady and we're filling out paperwork and all this and and uh, I started talking to her, started witnessing to her a little bit. And uh, I said, uh, you know, I pastor the Baptist church up in Bailey. Oh, my dad's a pastor. I said, oh, where at? She said, Hawaii. <laughs> and I said, well, good for him. I said, what church? Do you? Well, it's a Holy Ghost church. It, it's full of the Spirit. Oh, so you speak in tongues and get healed and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I wonder why she's not in a church like that anymore. Because sooner or later... The entertainment dies. And reality sets in. My wife and I years ago were in a jewel store over by Dyer, Indiana. We pastored over at Stager, Illinois there. <laughs> I'll never forget this old man and old woman were in there. And he just on a cane and just, just hurting like you could see he was hurting. And my wife and I heard him say, the old lady, she said, Oh, shut up, Alf. She said, You've been healed. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sure glad he got healed. Too much strange fire. Too many churches playing with that, causing them to die. Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them as censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not they had a procedure that they were to take the fire off of this altar and to put it on this altar period but they took fire from somewhere else to try and light the altar didn't work 
And Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. And Eliezer and Ithmar ministered in the priest's office in the sight of Aaron their father. Numbers 26.61 repeats again, And Nadab and Abihu died when they offered strange fire before the Lord. God repeated that several times in the Old Testament about Nadab and Abihu playing with strange fire and dying. And bless God, if you start playing with strange fire, folks, you're going to die spiritually. And it would not surprise me if you're a child of God and He took you home early. Don't play with strange fire. You don't need something new and exciting. You just need the old black 66 and you need the truth that's been in it for thousands of years. You're never going to hear anything original from any preacher. Did you know that? It's all been said before. I used to tease Dr. Lee Robertson, Brother McMurtry. He had a book called The Four Kings. Or the four, yeah, four kings, and it's out of print. Has been for many years. Tremendous, tremendous book. I said, brother, I said, I, I, I hate to tell you this, but I said I stole your messages, and I said I preached them. He says, well, brother Castle. He says they all belong to God anyway. He says you just use them if they'll help your people. And you know what? There's a truth in that. There's a truth in that. If it'll help, you're never going to get anything original. Amen? Because it's been written for thousands of years and preachers have preached. You can't come up with new doctrines. If you try to to start a church, and that's what a lot of guys do, they try and come up with new doctrines, strange fire, and before you know it, you fall flat on your face. Need to keep moving. i got 32 more points. Rich man in hell also had memory. But Abraham said, Son, remember. You know, there's a lot of things that you and I need to remember. First of all, your salvation. Don't ever, ever, ever lose the vision of your salvation. I never want to forget the day I got saved. I like looking back to the whole... Ser- I'm not going to go through it with you because we'd be here all night because I get started on my testimony. I love it. I know you don't, but I do. And I don't want to forget it. And, and you know what? Husbands and wives today, if you're not careful, you get complacent in your relationship... And in lieu of a better term, you fall out of love. There's divorces everywhere in this country for people that got tired of each other. The fire went out, yada, yada, yada. Now, before we criticize them, what happened to your Christianity? You get cold and complacent with your bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fire goes out. Amen? And my wife and I, and we're not, there's probably people in here been married longer than we have, but we've been married 43 years this year. And they've been good years. That's why I'm going nuts with her being gone for over two months at her mother's. I told mom, if this ever happens again, you're going to the nursing home. You ain't getting her back. So, and she told her the same thing. This ain't going to happen again. But, uh, you know, as surely as if you're going to stay married 50 years, 60 years, 70... I actually met a couple that were married 80 years, and they celebrated it on his 100th birthday. If you're going to stay married that long, you have to stay in love on purpose. And you have to work at staying in love and keeping the fire in your relationship. Amen? Now, I'm not being gross, vulgar, or anything else. My wife still excites me. I know I'm old. I know she's old, but we ain't dead. (laughs) And I don't have to wonder about strange fire. Why? Got my own right there. 
We keep the honey in the honeymoon. We keep the fire lit. Now listen to me. If you're not careful, your fire for the Lord is going to go out. It's going to go out. You have to remember your salvation. Remember that day that you trusted Christ and the sweet Holy Spirit of God indwelt your body and started making changes in your attitude and in your life and started doing good things for you that only God can do. Say, well, my life's been rough. Nobody promised you a bed of roses. He did promise you to go through every lion's den, every fiery furnace, every hill, every valley. He'll be right there with you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Don't, don't look for a perfect life. No such thing till we get to heaven. But look for a life where our Heavenly Father goes with us wherever we go. Keep that memory in your mind. Keep your salvation there. Exodus 13.3, Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. You didn't save yourself. God saved you. Never forget that. Secondly, remember the Lord's Day. In the Old Testament, they were told to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set it apart. We're not under Old Testament ceremonial law anymore. We no longer have to observe the day of rest on Saturday. But, Matthew or Mark 16.9 says, Now when Jesus was risen early, what day? The first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene. John 20, verse 19, Then that... The same day at even, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Acts 20, verse 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And so please stop criticizing me for being long-winded, or I'll preach till midnight. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16.2 Upon the first day of the week let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. I wonder where we get the idea that Sunday is the Lord's day of worship. It's the day He came out of the grave and it's the day we celebrate as the Lord's day. It's a day of worship. The Sabbath was done away with under ceremonial law at the coming of Christ, and we're now to set aside the Lord's Day, Sunday, as a day of rest, worship, and financing the works of the Lord. Do you ever remember an old fellow by the name of B.M. Page, Brother McMurtry? He was out of Indianapolis, Indiana. He had an office in the old Indiana Baptist College over there. It used to be Heritage, and I met Brother Page there. I had him preach for me a couple of times when he was in his 90s. Walked him two canes. He stayed in our home, I think he was 92 at the time, and all our, all our kids were home there in Rome City, and the boys were going to play a board game of some kind, and they asked Brother Page if he'd play with them. And Brother, Bo- Brother Page said, boys, he says, you go ahead and play your game. He said, I have no problem with you playing that board game. But he said, when I was your age and younger, he says, my mama made me promise her that the Lord's Day would be a day of rest, and I would never play any kind of a game or do any kind of an activity apart from worshiping at the church and resting at home. And he said, out of respect for my mama, he said, I can't do it. Now, I said, I'm not telling you it's wrong. He said, I just can't do it. Whatever happened to that kind of respect for the Lord's Day? Man, we got to do everything under the sun. we got to cut the grass. we got to go to Walmart and do our grocery shopping. we got to go here, go there. 
I think, and I'm not going to tell you I've never done it, but one of the biggest downfalls of Christianity is Christians starting to eat out on Sundays. Well, everybody's going to be there anyway. Yeah, but you're the one of them that's just helping them to stay there and keep them doors open. Some of us are old enough to remember in America where if you wanted gas, you got it on Saturday night because there was nothing open on Sunday. And if you wanted groceries, you got it on Saturday because there was nothing open on Sunday. Are you listening? Businesses shut down out of respect for the Lord's Day. Not anymore because nobody respects it. But you and I ought to. Uh, We need to remember the Lord's Day to keep it holy. Set it apart as a special time. We need to remember those who paved the way before you. God told the folks in Exodus 32.13, He said, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. You know, it doesn't take us long to read the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11 to see all those people that went on in history who paved the way for you and I to be here tonight. People have died for the right for you and I to be here tonight. And uh, listen, I don't know. Bailyville Baptist Church is, I think, 148 years old this year. Two more years will be 150. And you look back at that history of that church, and there's a lot of good people in that church that have paved the way for us to be in Bailyville Baptist Church right now. If the Lord tarries, and I don't believe He will, 50 years from now, Brother McMurtry, somebody's going to say, let's remember those that paved the way for us and bought this building and started a Baptist church here. Don't don't forget those that went on before you to pave the way. Then don't forget, uh, we need to remember the Word of God. Speak unto the children of Israel, bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring, that ye may remember and do all my commandments, and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. We need to remember. We need to remember the Word of God is what's here. It tells us two things, only two. Two messages any of us preachers can preach. How to know you're going to heaven when you die, and how to live till you get there. That's it. It's God's instruction manual. Rich man in hell also had separation. Besides all this, between you, us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. That would come to thence. We need to be more concerned about being separated unto God and the separation from all the wrong things will fall into their proper places. We ought to be separated from unbelievers. That's not a New Testament teaching. That's an Old Testament teaching as well as New Testament. Ezra 10.11 Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do His pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land. Then of course in 2 Corinthians 6 Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You say that today in most Baptist churches and everybody goes, Oh, um, how much of this separation can we stand? I have friends in other places and they're dragging you down. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and so on? Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. You know, there's a lot of wonderful people in this world, humanly speaking. Now, Scripturally speaking, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Amen? 
The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're all as an unclean thing, the Bible says. I get that. From a spiritual standpoint, we all understand that. But from a human standpoint, there's some nice people out there that are in wrong places. And just because they're nice people does not give us license to fellowship with them. It's just, we need to be careful. We need to be separate from worldly believers as well as lost folks. Number 1620, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Those were Jews. You know, there's some people, maybe in your own church, you shouldn't fellowship with too much. The rich man in hell knew about this thing called prayer, too. There's another thing we need in our church. If there's anything I think we need over and above anything else, it would be this one. Liberty Baptist Church, more than anything else, Brother Castle can tell you tonight, you need prayer. You need prayer. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It came to pass that he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Time doesn't allow me to talk about men like praying Hyde and and, uh, George Mueller and, and men that prayed in, poor men that prayed in millions of dollars for the cause of Christ and saw soul after soul after soul saved, lives reclaimed. All the great prayer meetings of years gone by when we had... Well, you know, what we call revival meetings today are pretty anemic. They're really pathetic. When I first went into the ministry, Brother Tom, I know you remember this. It was nothing to get a preacher to come in for a week, two weeks, three weeks if you wanted them. Today you can't hardly get anybody from Sunday to a Wednesday, and most pastors don't want them longer than that. That's sad, man. I always found in the old days God showed up that second week in a mighty way. You get past the first week, everybody's kind of, oh boy, this is tough, we've got to go to church every night. Boy, that second week is, oh boy, I get to go to church. We need a lot of prayer. We need a lot of prayer. In the old days when they had revivalist meetings, old John Rice and Gypsy Smith and all those fellows, Billy Sunday, did you know they always had a, a tent set up in most of those places just for a group of men to pray while the preacher was preaching? All the while he preached, they missed the message, but they were back there praying for God's power to fall on the man of God. We try to have prayer before services on Sunday mornings. It's pathetic, the small handful of people that show up. Everybody ought to beat the door down and want to get in there and pray for the services. I wonder why we don't have services like we should. We've got to get back to prayer in our churches. Prayer holds the keys to heaven. And faith unlocks the door. Amen? Amen. We need to pray believing. After all of this, the rich man knew The rich man in hell knew that the church needed evangelism. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send send him to my father's house. 
For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them that they also might come into this place of torment. Matthew 28, 19-20 is an imperative. It's not a suggestion. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The old three-point outline, everybody's probably heard it. Win them, win them, and work them. Amen? That's what that verse is talking about. Acts 1.8, the last thing the Lord Jesus said as He was ascending into heaven, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto Me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Evangelism. You know there's no unbelievers in hell right now? Not one. They're all believers in God now. They all believe in the blood of Christ now. But now it's too late. And now they're crying out, Send someone to my Father's house. Don't let these people of mine come to this place of torments. Oh, we need to get evangelism back in our churches. Keep your pockets full of tracts. Hand them out. Invite people to, well, preach right old much. Do you know how to say, well, you know what? I go to Liberty Baptist Church and we'd sure love to have you come visit sometime. If you don't do any more than that, you're doing more than the average Christian. Amen? Invite people to come. The last thing, this is the one you're looking for, the last thing hell has that the church needs is this thing called repentance. This shouldn't be a hot-button issue today, but it is in a lot of churches because a lot of churches don't believe in repentance. I personally believe if there's no repentance, there can't be any salvation. That simply means to think differently or afterwards or to reconsider. Verse 30, and he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Job said it like this in Job 42, verse 5, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know what Job just basically told us is what we need to do? Is we need to quit comparing ourselves to man. And we need to get a vision of God. If you want to see what God looks like, turn to Isaiah chapter 6 sometime and read that. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord lifted up high and His train filled the temple. Get a look at God Almighty like Isaiah saw Him. And when you get a look at God the way He really is and get a look at yourself the way you and I really are, it ought to do something to you. Man that compareth himself to man is unwise, but boy, you compare yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ You'll see yourself as God sees you, and that, my friend, will bring repentance. If you can't get people to see their imperfections and to see their lostness, you're never going to get them found. You're never going to win them. Ezekiel 14.6, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, change your mind, and turn yourselves from your idols. That's being converted. And turn away your faces from all your abominations. Ezekiel 14 and verse 30. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Matthew 3, 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying what? Repent ye. Brother, that's his first message, and one of the messages he preached over and over and over. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
From that time, Mark uh, Matthew 4.17, from that time Jesus began to preach, guess what He preached? Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The rich man in hell said, and he said, said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went into them from the dead, they will repent. Now, folks, I'm here to tell you, like I said, one did come back from the dead, and they still aren't repenting. A lot of it is because they're not being taught. They're not being told. The rich man in hell cries out to you and I tonight, Repent, because it's all true. Every word of it. If you're one of those skeptics that doesn't believe the Bible is the Word of God, every word of it, if you're one of those uh, like old King Jehoiakim, you say, well, I like this part, but I don't like this part, so I'll take this out and throw it away. Shame on you. It's all God's Word. Every word of it. It's for all of us. Let me ask you now, and I'm done. What is it that hell has that you need. Don't don't look at everybody else. Look inside yourself. What does hell have that I need tonight? Do I need a vision of this church being full? Do I need a uh, do I need more tears? I think all of us need more tears. I really do. Do I need more tears that I might weep and sow and reap in joy? Do I need some Holy Ghost fire? You know what, I hate to say this, and i, I got to admit it. Once in a while, preachers might preach a dud. You know, I preached messages, Brother Tom, that have bored me stiff. <laughs> and I thought, why did I preach that? Don't, don't count on the preacher to keep your fire lit all the time. Now, he ought to help you keep it lit. Amen. There's no doubt about that. But you ought to keep your own fire going too. You ought to keep your own fire lit. Don't don't let it die down. The devil will blow it out every chance he gets. How about your memory? Do you need to remember where you came from? Do you need to remember that time when you trusted Christ as your Savior? Say, well, I can't remember that. Maybe you didn't do it. Maybe you need to make that memory tonight. I don't know. How about your separation? Hey, look, we're in the world. We're not to be of the world. We're to be friends with everybody, but we don't have to fellowship with everybody. Amen? Prayer. None of us spends enough time in prayer. None of us. We need to get before God on our faces and humble ourselves, prostrate ourselves on the floor, and beg for God's power. No prayer, no power. It's that simple. We need evangelism. How many of you want to see your church filled? You're going to have to do it. Amen? If you're waiting on the preacher to do it, you're going to be waiting a long time because he's just one man. There are people that everybody in this room can reach that nobody else can reach. Go after them. Well, I'm afraid that they'll think I'm a weirdo. Okay, let them think you're a weirdo. Amen. You may be a nut, but be screwed on the right bolt. Amen. Just, just don't worry about what people think. What does God think? Evangelism and repentance. You know that, that word, I repented the day I got saved, which is why I got saved. But you know what I found? 
since 1972, there have been many times I've, after I've gotten saved that I still have to repent once in a while because the Holy Spirit brings something to my attention that I'm doing that's maybe not right in my life, maybe ignorantly, maybe on purpose, and He'll nail me to the wall with it. And I have to go before the Lord, because if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, that verse, 1 John 1, 9, was written to Christians, not to lost folks. And I have found out that, yes, I'm perfect in the sight of my Heavenly Father, but inside of the Son and the Holy Spirit, I still fall short, and they keep reminding me, get back in line. Get back in line. Repent. Repent. We need that. You know, if you're lost tonight without Christ as your Savior, you need to repent and be saved. Soon, like today, because you may not have tomorrow. If you're saved... Here's a whole menu of items laid out before you to choose from. In part or in whole. All of these things a rich man has in hell should motivate each of us to do all we can to saturate the world, home and abroad, with a gospel message of God's great love. So I'm simply going to ask, and then we're done. What does hell have tonight that Liberty Baptist Church, Baileyville Baptist Church, folks need? What do you need? Maybe you need to bend a knee at an old-fashioned altar and ask God to show you. Father, we do come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the word of God tonight. Thank you for these people, Lord. They've listened so attentively. And Lord, I thank you for my people putting up with me and listening again to this message. Father, I pray tonight that you'd break our hearts. People are dying and going to a devil's hell. The devil's church is growing. Satan appeareth as a minister of glowing light. No wonder then that his ministers appear as ministers of righteousness. Nice people are growing huge churches all over America, but they're not preaching the book. They're not preaching the gospel. They're leading people down a slaughter path to hell. God help us to be the light that shines in this place. I pray for Liberty Baptist Church. The people get a hold of this thing called vision and see this place full and do all the things that they need to do to fill it up. Help them to get behind the man of God and to lift up his hands and to help him every way they can to grow this church. For Christ's sake. And for no other reason, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. We stand, our heads bowed and our eyes closed.